Another thing that people flag up to us a lot, I think, is the idea of it's great that you're teaching children how to repair these like very retro consoles and everything. But actually, a lot of electronics nowadays are the opposite. You know, they can't be repaired. And it's kind of like, yeah, we're working against (laughs) the whole tech industry creating very non-repairable products. But what we always say is what we're giving children is that confidence and mindset that things can be fixed. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. It is the season to think about toys and children and so for this month's episode of the Restart Project podcast we were excited to speak to Anais Engelman and Megan Hale who are part of the innovative and passionate group of graduates who founded Team Repair, a company that aims to teach children about repair. From intergenerational skill sharing to zero waste business models, retro gaming and more, they tell us about their programme, which combines some of our favourite things. Hi, my name is Anais Engelman and alongside with Meg and three other co-founders, we run the startup Team Repair. My role there is in charge of all the creative stuff. So the direction artistically we take, what the website and app looks like, all our marketing, social media. And then I also do the partnership side. So creating those partnerships with different schools and repair companies and organizing different repair workshops with schools and children. I'm Megan Hale. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Team Repair. At the moment, my biggest focus is forming partnerships with manufacturers to find where we can source e-waste, with any companies that would potentially want to sponsor our programme for schools and then also schools to see how we can implement our programme within the curriculum. Great. Let's sort of start with how did Team Repair come about? So this time last year, As a group of five, we were final year design engineering students from Imperial College London. And we had a module at uni where we needed to create a business. And all five of us were very passionate about reducing e-waste. So we put out a little call out on Reddit asking people, why don't we repair stuff the same as our grandparents do? And a big common theme was that people were saying they didn't have the confidence, especially with electronic gadgets, to take them apart and try to fix them. So we created a programme which is called Team Repair, our fix-it programme, that teaches children how to fix electronic gadgets, try and give them that confidence to try and repair things at home and understand a bit more about how their gadgets work. We've got this fixing program for children currently between the ages of eight and 14. And the idea is we give them some kind of electronic gadget with faults that we've put in ourselves. So for example, we give them a games console, but the start button and speaker isn't working. Or we give them a remote control car, but the remote control trigger is a little bit off where it should be. And some of the gears aren't quite aligned. And then it's their job to take it apart and 
try and find out what's not quite right using our app and then making the repair. And then through that, we're also trying to implement science in a more creative and engaging way. So learning the ideas of like motors and how wiring and electricity runs outside of just reading a science textbook in school to try and engage them with the subject a bit more. So that's kind of the perfect golden moment to get children, I imagine, or young people and, and inspire them around repair. Did you both learn about repair when you were children? Yeah, so when I was younger, many people in my family would always try and repair things. I remember when I was quite young, taking apart my mobile phone with my uncle to try and replace, I think it was the GPS inside it. So I've always been into repair and I've always been curious about how things work as well. So when I was very young at primary school, I'd wake up really early in the morning to watch how it's made on TV because I was just so curious about how things work and like seeing how real products work as well because you just didn't get that at school. Yeah, for me it was, I think, a, a little bit different. I wasn't so interested in repair specifically when I was younger. In school, I loved design technology subjects, so getting to build things. And then as I got older, towards the end of secondary school and especially during university, I became very involved in different sustainability-related organisations and activities and started doing quite a lot of work within the circular economy space and looking how we can make different organizations, different business models more circular. And so I think I've approached team repair from more that side. And that's kind of what I'm bringing more of the idea of how can we make a business, you know, zero waste, completely circular, reusing everything. And then the repairs kind of come into that quite naturally. And I guess you kind of need lots of different kinds of skill sets to do something like team repair. So it's great that you've got a mix of different influences and approaches and, and kind of you can learn from each other. Why are you passionate about teaching young people about repairing and why does it matter to you? So in terms of why it's important to us, I think we've all said what got us into what we do now, so engineering and kind of STEM subjects, so science, technology, engineering, maths. What got us there was hands-on experiences when we were younger, but a lot of children don't really get that either because they're in an underfunded school or it's not something that their family provides them. And so... That's why we're trying to target younger children with this new way of learning science and tech that also integrates repair and the sustainability mindset. And I think it's really important to combine those two disciplines, so science and engineering, but also sustainability and how to live in a more sustainable manner. We're both women who went into engineering so it's one of our key goals to also try and inspire younger girls with engineering as well I know when I was younger we had a few people come in and give talks about engineering but I never fully understood how that related to a real career and what that might look like and more the creative design elements as well of engineering so we really want to make sure we're reaching girls and other areas of community that don't feel like they can go into engineering with our product. The engineering workforce currently is still 72% male and 88% white. So it's still massively skewed despite all the efforts trying to, you know, fix this. So that's one thing we're trying to do. And then also by getting children into engineering through repair, we're giving them that sustainability mindset. And it's really important long term because not only does it mean they'll be able to fix their own things when they break, but these are the people in 10, 20 years who will be designing products, you know, for the big tech companies. And it's them who have the power to say to these companies, you know, make your products more repairable, all of that. So it kind of all comes around full circle. We need these diverse minds in the future to solve the climate crisis. And that's why we're trying to introduce these skills now. 
Absolutely. I mean, I know that, that this is a similar thing that the restart project sees within repair at restart parties. Things still skew, as you say, white and men. Restart runs Rosie, the restarters, sessions to try and engage with women and non-binary people. And so it's great to hear that these kind of projects are getting people when they're young enough that it will really make a difference. It makes young people suddenly kind of engaged in these topics. So it's really inspiring thing to hear and a great time of the year to be thinking about it because of the fact that there'll be so many broken controllers on Christmas Day, so many broken remote control cars. What do you hope that people do after they've completed the 12 month program with team repair i think our vision is that after somebody goes through our program they'll one always have more respect for their products and they'll understand how they work inside maybe try and repair them to try and reduce how much e-waste they're creating but also have this confidence that they can be hands-on with things that they can fix stuff themselves yeah, for a child fixing a games console is something fun for them to do. The reason we don't give them something like a kettle to fix, safety issues aside, of course, the reason we don't give them something a bit more boring is because we want them to have that positive association with the act of both fixing and also learning science and taking something apart. And so we always pick gadgets with a very clear fixable outcome. So a games console you know, doesn't switch on. And then when it does, then they can play with it or a remote control car, which doesn't move. And then once they fixed it, they can spin it around the house or walkie talkies, which don't connect. And then they can use it with their sibling or whatever. And I think it's really important to have that element to make it really fun for the child. We did quite a lot of research as a part of our product development about learning through play and a company like Lego is someone who we really look up to because they do a huge amount of work within that area of using play as a really great way to teach quite important lessons and concepts. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Lego myself for similar reasons, but also Lego can be anything. And that means that it can fit with any child's interest. No doubt it's pretty exciting for some parents to sit down with their young people and fix these things for the same reasons that they'll be the other person holding the controller on Boxing Day. And how have you seen the young people who are doing your course apply their learned skills outside of what you've got them to do? And and, and are there any memorable stories that you have about young people fixing as a result of being involved with team repair? One of our first ever user tests was with one of our lecturer's sons who's eight years old and he was literally the first ever person to try out our repair. And then later that evening, she sent a photo of him showing his sister how to fix something and how to use a screwdriver. So that was a really nice moment of peer learning and him sharing that information. We also got a message from a girl a little bit older who attended one of our workshops. And then she messaged us a few weeks later with a photo of her calculator. And she said one of the buttons wasn't working. But then using that knowledge I had from fixing the games console button, I then applied that to my calculator and managed to fix it. So that was really nice to see. Learning in one area can move across to the other areas as well. I think my favourite moment, it was a few weeks ago, actually, we were teaching a class of children that came in. And the thing I really liked was the way that they were helping each other out, trying to fix and there was one boy in particular who was like, wow, this is the best science lesson I've ever had. That was great for us because it was just like they can see that we're applying the repairing and the sustainable skills with the science lessons. And the science just doesn't have to look like you answering questions in the textbook like it was when I was at school.
We love that you also build in waste reduction elements by reusing the finished gadgets. What inspired doing that? So circular economy is a, a big thing that they really drill into us in our degree, which I think is great. You know, it has to be sustainability has to be a part of education for everyone for it to properly get implemented in the future. But we have this module again, where it's all about rethinking in a creative way how we can change a business model so that we create that circular economy. And yeah, just to explain for anyone listening who doesn't know what the term means, it just means closing that gap of what we currently have of a linear economy where something gets manufactured, used, and then at the end of a life just binned. It's about trying to bring that around and reuse all the components. We were having some discussions about, you know, how could we reuse something as simple as packaging? And then we got talking about, well, we're teaching how to fix things with the goal of stopping or reducing e-waste, but we don't just want to create more e-waste in that process. And then we were saying, what if we just got the gadgets back at the end of it and then created the same fault and sent it off to the next child. It's been difficult to figure out. There's been a lot of challenges logistics-wise. And whenever we talk to people in the industry or entrepreneurs or investors, they always flag that up and say oh well you know you should make your own gadgets and just give them out because it'll be a lot more scalable you'll make a lot more money and I think for us it's a really important part of our business model that we can recycle reuse and it also teaches I think an important lesson to the child about ownership again changing that idea that preconception that we all have about ownership and needing to own lots of items and yeah I think it's something really at the heart of what we do. Right. When you're done with a piece of technology, it can be passed on to the next person. And actually, I think that when you're talking about computer game consoles, that's literally what my experience of computer game consoles as a child and as an adult has been. Like, I can't afford the new shiny one, but the people who can pass it down when they're finished with it. And so I guess it may be a bit more intuitive to young people, the idea of passing around technology. So it's great that you're exploring that kind of element within a business model. I mean, what were the challenges though you said that there were challenges to doing that i think we don't realize how unusual of a business model it is until we talk to people and they're like oh why are you doing it that way why can't my child just keep the console one of our priorities is making it as easy as possible for the parents as well to send the boxes back to us and then also sourcing the gadgets from what would be waste as well that's one of our big challenges at the moment Another thing that people flag up to us a lot, I think, is the idea of it's great that you're teaching children how to repair these like very retro consoles and everything. But actually, a lot of electronics nowadays are the opposite. You know, they can't be repaired. And it's kind of like, yeah, we're working against (laughs) the whole tech industry creating very non-repairable products. But what we always say is, first of all, what we're giving children is that confidence and mindset that things can be fixed. And second of all, we've come at it at a really the perfect moment with the whole right to repair movement taking off with a lot of new legislations coming in and a lot more consumer awareness and holding companies accountable when they release an unrepairable product. I think hopefully with the right push legislatively and from these tech companies, it will merge nicely with us teaching this new generation how to fix. So it's retro games consoles that you are having to use. So are you getting like any of the young people saying, come on, grandparents, what is this? Or are they just kind of like, this is cool, a new thing to explore and to play with? Children seem to quite like it. And I think the parents like it as well. When we're doing a workshop, parents come up and they're like, oh, I used to have one of these. Oh, that's great to see what's inside. So I think it works quite well for us that 
our customer, the parent, likes it, but then also the child seems very happy playing with the games at the end. Right, it hits the right nostalgia note for the parents, but it's really good to hear like intergenerational collaboration and bonding. I think that the community thing, especially within the repair community, is great to see. Like the repair cafes we do, it's amazing different people who turn up to those. We have maybe older people fixing other people's stuff, but then we also bring the kids into those repair cafes to teach them how to repair. So that's what I enjoy so much about teaching people repair, that it relates to everyone in different ways. A couple of us went to Brussels last month for FixFest and we did a little video asking a lot of the repairers there what their first memory of repair is and what got them into repair. You know, they all had such a distinct story or like, you know, that first moment where they realised they could fix something. That's really nice to see and that's what we're trying to give a lot of children who maybe otherwise wouldn't have that moment because like you said, there's that generational gap and we're losing that ability to get hands-on with items and take things apart. What are your moments when you first fixed a thing? Like, do you have stories yourself, personal moments? The thing that I just enjoy is the feeling when you fix something. Even now when maybe I fix something on my car, the fact that you can, if you have the confidence to, you can go out, find the resources because there's so many resources on how to fix and you can go out and fix something and usually it is cheaper. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, I think when I was younger, it was less electronic fixes and more maybe like a broken table leg or something that needs screwing back together or even like clothes repairs. I think those are more accessible. They seem less daunting in a way. But what we're trying to show is actually electricals don't have to be so scary. You just need someone to show you how to do it and then you can take that knowledge and repeat it yourself. I was thinking of clothing as well. I think clothing is probably my first things that I have fixed or been creative with. It's really cool to hear about the community aspect of what you're doing. Like people might have heard the initial thing of like 12 month program stuff sent out to people and think that that would mean that people would be siloed at home having their own experiences and not necessarily connecting up to a wider repair community. But it sounds like you absolutely are connecting them up to that. I think it's for us, it's really important to be in contact with the community because first of all, a lot of us took things apart and have had repair experience, but we don't know as much as a lot of people within this community who've, you know, lived it their whole lives. And we've learned so much from a lot of restarters, from people who work for like iFixit and even just people who run repair cafes. Speaking to them, they've given us so much valuable information about what kind of repairs they see most often which has been really great and we've implemented that into our program but also building up a bit of a community with people like schools and councils we've worked a lot so far with london-based schools and councils that's something we want to expand into as we grow as a company yeah i mean you've as you say you've been bringing the program into schools i mean how has that gone and how has it informed any changes to how you're doing this work i think bringing it into schools is just great to see that kids will help each other out with the program. The product originally started with the intention of it just being an at-home product, you know, a kind of at-home subscription kit, which we send off to families. And then it grew quite organically into this group school workshop setting because we got a lot of requests from different councils and schools asking if we could give them some kits to use or run a workshop. And I think doing it in a group setting, you you see that it works slightly differently. So for example, we've realised one of our repairs, the remote control car, like I said, when you have 15 remote control cars in the same room, which are all trying to connect with 15 different remotes, it's an absolute nightmare um, because they all paired completely wrong and we had to like 
take each child one by one to pair the remote and the car. So I think <laughs> we've learned little things like that, which you wouldn't necessarily think about. But yeah, I guess the other main thing is that in a group setting, like we mentioned before, there's so much peer-to-peer learning, which is, you know, one of the best ways to learn something and really hold on to something. When one child is falling slightly behind, someone else will help them. And there's actually very little input needed from us or a teacher because they just help each other get through the activity, which is really nice to see. Right. And I guess this kind of almost a kind of mentor element It is good to have someone a little bit ahead of you to aspire to. Uh, and I guess you've become that for some of these young people, I'm sure. Yeah, I would love to think that we're almost role models, especially as female engineers as well. Just showing people how to fix, we'd hope that they see us and want to be more like us, like solving sustainability issues as well. Right. If you can see it, then you can be it kind of thing. So what's the most popular gadget to fix that you offer? It probably is the the games console. That's probably been tested the most times. We're still in quite a, an early phase of our business. We graduated in July and now we're slowly moving towards full time on it. But our main priority currently is doing that 12 month program. We've got the first two months completely done and the rest are still in R&D and it kind of is dependent on what gadgets we can secure from different manufacturers from their waste streams. But yeah, I think the games console is a big hit because all children <laughs> love video games and also it's not too challenging of a first repair, but still they get to see the the PCB, the different wiring, they get to stick some wires back together it's quite an exciting one to start off with it's really important for us as well to find out what the kids want we always are talking to kids just finding out what they want to repair what they want to see how it works inside so that's a big part of what we're doing at the moment as well is talking to kids we're just coming to the end of a program we've been doing with a school in london where we've given them the task they're a little bit older so between 14 16 and we've asked them to take on the challenge of choosing a repair that would be interesting for a younger person to do so we've told them you know the world is your oyster pick a gadget which you think would be interesting test it on the younger years and see what kind of repairs would be good for that are you planning to expand what do you kind of see for team repair going forwards into the future yeah so the possibilities are endless which is great with the repairs so we've started off with electronic repair we can definitely go into different age brackets and then also branch into different areas of repair as well i'd personally love to do something on closed repair just that's something that i do quite a lot we'd love to just inspire as many people and be able to branch into as many topics that will make us hit many different parts of society as well we'd love to integrate coding into our kits for a little bit of an older age bracket because coding is a whole other level of inaccessibility for a lot of children it's seen as such a foreign thing and difficult to get into and very very male dominated field so i think we'd love to integrate that into some of our kits for an older bracket down the line but yeah like meg said clothing repair is also another thing that we're both very passionate about and it would be great to be able to expand into that in the future and if there are listeners who are really excited by what you're doing or want to get involved or like want to book your services or any of those things how do they go about doing that So if you just visit our website, which is www.team.repair, then we have all the contact details on there. Also, you can inquire about schools, workshops, 
partnerships. On Instagram, we're at Team Repair. On Twitter, we're at the Team Repair. And we've just started a TikTok to get the <laughs> to get the younger demographic. And on that, we're at team.repair. Sadly, none of the same handles were available across the platforms. But you can find all the information on our website. And yeah, like Meg said, currently, if you want to help, we're looking for schools to work with, councils who are interested in hosting events. And also we're looking for ways that we can make our kits really accessible for schools which don't necessarily have the funding to host us. And so we've done a call out to different engineering and technology companies who have these budgets for trying to inspire more diversity within STEM. And we're kind of giving these companies a very easy way where you can have a direct impact to a classroom of children and so if you know anyone who we'd be able to speak to there please do get in touch on our website talking to team repair the future of fixing looks bright many of us know that coming up with ways to get young people involved in repairing is a tough egg to crack but Team Repair has come up with an engaging and refreshing solution. It's also fascinating to hear where other people's repair journeys began. We're excited that a new generation of fixers, hackers and menders are being introduced to a practice that is so important to our community and to the future of our planet. And we can't wait to see what Team Repair comes up with next. This is our last episode of 2022 and so from myself and everybody at the Restart Project I'm wishing you a happy time, a nourishing time during the holiday season and that your Christmases and more importantly your Boxing Days are full of joy including the joys of fixing and repairing and constructing and creating. Happy Christmas to all those who celebrate. And we also wish you a happy new year and hope that your new year's resolutions like ours will include finding new ways and continuing old ways of trying to fix our relationship with our technology and to create a sustainable world that we can all survive and thrive in going forwards into 2023 and all of the years that follow. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the restartproject.org where we've also set up a fundraiser. So if you've enjoyed this episode, do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast. The music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between Opto Noise and Cassini Sound. And big thanks to Restart's communications producer, Holly, who does the research and the planning for the podcast. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>